Hello and welcome to Nothing But The Poem. Hello and welcome to Nothing But The Poem. Um, my name is Tony, I'm the Assistant Librarian at the SPL. And today I have a very special guest with us and we are going to tell you a little bit about the Nothing But The Poem session that we chaired for LGBTQ History Month. So Kirsten, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course, thank you so much for having me, Tony. My name is Kirsten McQuarrie. I'm a writer. My second novel, The Round Tree, inspired by the wonderful poet Kathleen Rain, is coming out in May this year. And I'm also lucky enough to be membership officer for Sillip Scotland. So we are a charity that represents and advocates for around 1,200 library professionals across every corner of Scotland and beyond, which, um, as we'll see in the poems we discuss shortly, libraries are a very key theme for one of them in particular. So delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you and I have done some events for LGBT History Month before, so we, we thought that it might be quite nice to do something again. And the Nothing But The Poem uh, format spoke to us quite a lot, I think, and we, we really felt like it was a very good way to reach both our respective communities of poetry, in poetry lovers and people who are interested in poetry and library workers and librarians. Absolutely. Um, so what we did was we held a session of Nothing But The Poem. It was a one hour, 15, 20 minute session. um, And we uh, discussed three poems, all by LGBT Scottish poets. Um, And what Chris and I are going to do is basically just go over some of the things that we discussed. Absolutely, sounds good. Um, So the first poem we talked about was Edwin Morgan's Strawberries, um, which if you're looking for the text, that's available on the SPL website. Um, There were a lot of really interesting things said about the poem and the way we approached it really was we started with a question that we had prepared for each poem Mm -hmm. and we asked for volunteers from all of our attendees. We asked for volunteers to read the poem, which people were brave enough to do. They were, which was quite encouraging for us. The readings were lovely. (laughs) And the question that we posed with strawberries was all about sense wasn't it yeah yeah that's right so it's a it's such a kind of sensual sensuous even poem and so the the question that we posited at the beginning when we were having our opening reading was just inviting attendees to reflect on what sense Mm -hmm. comes forth most most strongly for them was it was it sight was it touch was it taste Mm -hmm. was it some combination and yeah a a delicious discussion ensued didn't it definitely yeah several things came out I thought it was really interesting how everybody picked up on different things absolutely one thing that I remember was an attendee saying that they expected taste to be the strongest because of the title Mm. of the poem but then there was so much more physical and tactile feelings around the poem that were around touch around sight mm-hmm. um so it they really and i agree with that that sense isn't re- i agree with that that taste isn't the overwhelming sensation in yeah, the poem absolutely somebody made the great point that actually taste although we have strawberries right there in the title taste doesn't appear until really we get to the heart of the poem from your from your eager mouth the taste of strawberries in my memory lean back again let me love you and yet all the way through we've got I mean, this kind of really interesting interplay between implicit and explicit senses. We, you know, when we're thinking about the hot sunlight, some people 
feel that as, as touch on the skin. Some people see that in, the, in a visual sense. So it was really quite eye-opening for how one poem can be interpreted in so many different ways for different people. I thought that was a really, really interesting point. And then we really had that fantastic idea from an attendee who did another reading of the poem while actually taking the strawberries out, which was I love fantastic. that so much. Just love their creative <laughs> thinking with that. And I know who would have thought, what, what does a poem become without its subject? Yeah. So uh, that attendee, they were really getting quite brave quite quickly, volunteered to read it again, but taking the word strawberries out. And then actually we saw this, this stripped back love story essentially um so it was really kind of it sparked such great reflection about what what makes a poem and you know as what titles tell us what they don't tell us what they divert us away from so that was a real treat i think we heard it three times in total but it's it really inspired me to uh, think think what what can what is removed from a poem and what what remains and i think there was this kind of idea as well between text and subtext Mm. and Mm -hmm. kind of what like yeah exactly what remains um which, you know, both of us as fans of, you know, I think we spoke about this actually last time when we did an um, LGBT History Month event about Sappho and the, did, the yeah. things that are removed and what remains. That's totally. Quite, and of course, you've got that wonderful Heather Young piece here in the Scottish Poetry yeah, 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 Library yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think... It all comes together. It does. It does. Uh, Verses and Violets back know, in the day. That was, uh, a, I think, our finest a, title, certainly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, just uh, when we mentioned Sappho and kind of queer poets past and present I think the theme of time emerged in Mm -hmm. in the group's reflections Mm -hmm. which was really interesting because although Strawberries is such a visceral present poem Mm -hmm. actually the opening lines there were never strawberries like the ones we had Mm -hmm. it is a memory it is a a reflection on something that therefore has has been lost is no longer here and the impact that that memory has and how that plays with senses opened up some really interesting points of discussion too. Yeah, it really did. And that thought as well that it starts in the past tense and then it moves forward to Mm. the present tense. Like you said, it's like a memory. And also I remember the point being made about the form of the poem, that there's no really punctuation. Yes. And that it's it's like one long sentence, one long um, almost thought that said all at once totally. which I thought was really interesting yeah and also speaks to the bravery of our attendees willing to to read it with exactly with no punctuation but and I think there's just those two line breaks in it but mm-hmm. the work that they do that where they force you to to take a pause and and reflect it's mm. yeah it's a structurally as much as visually and viscerally it's an incredible poem and that really came through in the, in the really chat did. Moving on from that, I think we decided to to diversify our reading list a little bit. We to did. go to a poet that's maybe not necessarily as well known as Edwin Morgan, but we thought that that might be quite an interesting introduction to her work, mm-hmm. um, to some attendees. And that poet is Maud Salter. And we looked at the poem Gone But Not Forgotten, mm-hmm. um, which is again available on the SPL website. And again, just... Following on from our discussion about form, there was really a lot of discussion about that here because of the nature of the poem, the poem's construction and the way that I think the readers felt while they were reading it. They really Absolutely. felt that breathlessness of the poem, I would say. Totally. Yeah. There's that, that line right at the heart that I, short of breath, tremble. And that was our, our opening question for attendees, wasn't it? That actually what happens to the breath when we're reading, mm-hmm. even when we're listening, because you really are, again, the sensation remains, but your voice fades. The, the interplay between 
the heart, the head, the body is, is so present in this poem. And, and just also, uh, let me say, it was such a pleasure to highlight this work because, as you brought out, Tony, that Maud Silter is regrettably not mm. nearly as well known as the other two poets that we mm. highlighted today. It's really been in the past couple of years that I've seen her work really mm. come into the prominence it deserves and Scottish Poetry Library played such a key part in that. Absolutely. But I think it spoke to the, the idea of LGBT History Month is stories that have very often not been told yep. um, and for, for terrible reasons. So it was yep. a, a sort of privilege to, to highlight this work. And I know that some people were entirely new to Maud's work. Mm-hmm. So that was especially oh. special, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was quite interesting that a lot of, well, not a lot, but some people were familiar with her visual art yes, um, and yeah. had seen her exhibitions. Mm. So they were surprised to know that she wrote poetry as well. Yeah, and it's such a visual poem. It's, it's a shame that our listeners won't be able to see it. But there's a, a line towards the end that I think you've cracked a rib and it even takes the shape of that of that little punch of that yeah. of that crack. It's really quite a... a compelling work of art, I would say, however you define a work of art. And I would say Maud's identity as a visual artist very much comes through very strongly um, with this poem, but I think also with her other work, because Mm. we have some of her other visual, more visual poetry as well. But I think also apart from that, this is a very personal poem. It feels like a very intimate moment that you're spying on to. And like Mm -hmm. that conversation between the lover and their beloved and... You, you really feel those two identities really strongly you in that really poem. do and I think our attendees feel that as well I think wherever your wherever your life story is you could definitely identify with the emotional journey if I can call it that that mm. the poem follows and somebody made the fantastic point that actually and it's a very short poem we should say but the first half is is focused on on the beloved mm-hmm. on and then actually the lover themselves comes to prominence so we've got a couple of mm-hmm. I statements um and even that sense of, of situating oneself, is it in the other, is it in the self, and, and how these two connect yeah. or conflict. For, for such a short work, There's mm-hmm. I think we could have discussed more than an hour just on, on it alone. Absolutely. It was really incredible. Yeah, and also there's the... Um, we remarked on the cyclical nature of, yeah. the, re- of the repetition yeah. and the repetition very intentionally being on the line, the sensation remains kind of mm-hmm. enforcing that idea of feeling and of that very tactile feeling totally. of the poem. Um, yeah. I thought that um, the line, I, th- I think you've cracked a rib, is just fa- fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think I made that point in the discussion as well, is that you could almost hear it. Yes. You could almost hear the crack, uh-huh. which um, is fantastic. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. But yeah, so I think this was a lovely chance to introduce people to Maud's work. And mm-hmm. I really hope... Some of our attendees maybe look up some more of her. I hope so. Yes, well. first reading of many. Um, I hope. Yeah, hopefully. And then we finished our um, little discussion with a poem by Jackie King. We did. This is our library lover special. <laughs> yes. Well, we felt as you know, obviously, as two people who are very involved with library mm-hmm. life in Scotland. We felt it would be amiss if we didn't include Absolutely. something related. <laughs> um, and fortunately for us, Jackie Kay has written just the thing um, with her own biography, which can be found in Darling, um, mm-hmm. her collection of new and selected poems. Yeah, and quite tucked away in Darling, that's we should quite say. Interesting, because, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Because it is part of a pamphlet called The Year of the Letter. And I actually found myself before the meeting 
thinking, where is this poem? Because mm-hmm. I, I was looking at the table of contents. It's not there. I couldn't it's, realize uh-huh. it was not there. It's a proper hidden gem. Um, but yeah, it is absolutely quite tucked away, almost like a letter in a book. Which oh, is, see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> which is quite, um, is quite yeah, relevant to, to the mm-hmm. poem itself. But yeah, if you have um, Darling in front of you, it's on page 101 of uh, Jackie Case Collected, uh, New and Collected Poems. And we did quite an interesting thing with the reading here because... There's two parts of the poem, and one of them is in italics, almost like a flashback, a memory. Mm-hmm. And me and Kirsten split that between us, and we, we, we alternated. Did. I think reading. we felt our attendees had, had worked hard enough. We'd had some wonderful readings, so yeah. it was only fair that, that we took on our share. And yes, I mean, what was our opening question here, our opening kind of provocation was, was there a voice that, that appealed to them particularly strongly, that, that felt especially vivid mm-hmm. for them? And actually, there are a couple of voices, at least a couple at play here so I think having us us collaborate and yeah, yeah. combine the, the t- italics with the rest of the text that that brought that forth hopefully in a in yeah. a, a real life way and it was just really fun to do it was really <laughs> fun honest. as well I mean the humor in this poem yeah everybody could just I mean even from a zoom room you could see the smiles on everyone's faces it's yeah there's a real kind of first love mm-hmm. here that I think was touching everybody's yeah. hearts on the day and I think it was something quite a lot of people related to as well yes, I think it yeah. was something that idea of like you say the first love mm-hmm. and you know that teenage yeah. apprehension and anxiety around discovering the first love totally. and discovering it in a library which is lovely of course library love, uh, that's what we're all about <laughs> and yet using that humor in such a you know as of course we we know Jackie Kay does <laughs> like no other mm-hmm. it's just actually this light touch to deal with really pertinent really profound and regrettably still challenging themes and I know mm. that came in the italicized section in particular yeah, that yeah. was prominent definitely yeah um I one of the things that stayed with me quite a lot was how expressive the language in the poem is um, I think I specifically noted the part where it says he frog marched me down to the library mm. Mm-hmm. Just the use of that word is it just immediately puts an image in your mind. It does, yeah. um, and it's but yeah, like you say, there's a lot of quite difficult themes hidden around the humor mm-hmm. in this as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we can talk quite a lot about censorship and around kind yeah. of how that worked in a lot of literary institutions around LGBT works. Yes, and still does, and still does. Um, Philips had an event, a banned books week event. We quite recently did, well. yes. I mean, it's it's shocking, really. So we use the um, the Unite Against Book Bans toolkit. This comes from the American Library Association because mm. this was, um, I believe, it was September twenty twenty two. They had already surpassed their record for book challenges. So a book challenge is anything, parent, guardian, any user sort of asking a library to take a book off their right. shelves formally. Yeah. They by September that year they had already passed. The previous year's record, which was the record for the first, the last twenty years or so in which these these had been documented. So, I mean, it's so interesting. This poem mentions Radcliffe Hall, who's I'm sure many of our listeners will know was the author of The Well of Loneliness, famously, infamously banned for obscenity in 1929. And yet now we see. I mean, we're here in 2023, and yet our our librarians are are still facing these challenges mm. and and growing. It's been kind of this dark cloud coming over the Atlantic and it's yeah. very much here regrettably yeah yeah I, I, I found 
the inclusion of Radcliffe Hall quite interesting because I haven't read The Well of Loneliness, but you had a oh, copy really? on hand. Oh, really? I did, because I'm a big fan of Radcliffe Hall. It's a shame this is only audible because I had, um, I've got her portrait actually behind me in the Zoom room, so I was able to point her out in a, in a little kind mm. of stamp size. But yes, I am a big fan of her work. And actually, she's got some interesting poetry as well. Um, she doesn't get a lot of credit for her poetry, but mm. some really, because she was, well, they believe now that she would have actually been dyslexic, so mm-hmm. struggled with the actual mm-hmm. physicality of the written word very often but her her lovers would read her work back to her so again this idea of reading the poem that mentions her and of course then we've got a novel within a poem that's about a love letter hidden in a non-fiction text on a library layers upon layers layers of literature are just incredible in this um but the poem specifies it's my father caught me at it one day radcliffe hall dropped out from inside bunty there's a blast from the past if anyone (laughs) (laughs) we love bunty page 106 was enough for him and we actually started a really interesting discussion about what are attendees who maybe weren't familiar with Radcliffe Hall, what we expected yeah. page 106 to contain that was so so shocking that it <laughs> deserves being frog matched back yes. to the library. Yeah, I think everybody's first instinct was a love scene yeah, or yeah. Uh, some kind of scene of depicting intimacy, but it wasn't mm-hmm. that. Oh, wasn't it, it wasn't. And actually, I mean, anybody that's ever delved into the well of loneliness looking for smut would be sorely disappointed because the love scenes are, are very subtle. Yeah. Um, but actually, page 106, now, obviously, we were just going on my little sort of well-thumbed mm. version, but it's actually a scene between the protagonist, Stephen, and her father. Mm-hmm. He Now, spoiler alert, <laughs> if anybody's not read the well of loneliness, this happens just at her father's death and his final words are Stephen she's she's not she's not like the implication is she's not like other girls Mm -hmm. so actually what we see here in Jackie Kay's poem is a kind of it's a bit of a an easter egg if we could call it that for relationship between a queer young woman and her her father not understanding her yeah I thought that was a really interesting through line and again we Mm -hmm. can't know whether Jackie Kay used the same edition of the book but it's quite possible that that is the intended meaning, mm-hmm. especially because the father is a very present figure yeah. in this poem as well. So I thought that was really interesting. It and was. Thank it you for was. Bringing that. Oh no, not at all. I love how they just <laughs> the ripples of of literary inspiration just yeah. grow and grow, don't they, from these um, poems? Yeah, and then another just to kind of go back to the poem. Another thing that was remarked upon is that again talking about form because I think form mm. was quite a prevailing theme of the it discussion was, yeah, altogether. And somebody pointed out that. The last line of the poem, which is, you are my world, you know that, don't you? Mm-hmm. It doesn't end with a question mark, no. it ends with a full stop. No. And I thought that was quite interesting, but because it communicates that confidence and that certainty and that resilience, which is what yes. something we talked about, mm-hmm. of queer love and of that idea that things are so permanent mm-hmm. and there's no, there's no space for doubt mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. relationship. It's yeah. all... It's all in place. It's all where it needs to be. Yeah, it's such a pertinent point. And actually, across all three poems, the punctuation or often the lack of punctuation was was mm-hmm. telling its own story. So you're right. As a yeah. as a concluding line, it it really did resonate with us mm-hmm. all. I think. Yeah, and I think it kind of showed how because I think our audience was very a very healthy mix between both of our respective audiences. It was lots of from the Silip sphere and <laughs> the SPL world. Yeah. And I think there were maybe people who hadn't encountered poetry in this form before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I really like doing that. I really like introducing people to poetry they aren't necessarily familiar with. And they look at a poem and think, oh, I didn't know a poem could exist in that way. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that was a really totally. And let me just say that's I love that so much about the spirit of nothing but the poem that that is just so apparent in it that it's not us you know even now this is not us this is in no way shape or form definitive the whole spirit Mm. of it is coming together with poetry lovers or people who are just intrigued poetry agnostics even to actually see that your interpretation the validity of your perspective you know you have a contribution you have something to say and how this poem strikes you for better or for worse that's that's what matters here and of course that really ties in beautifully to the spirit of lgbt mm-hmm. history month absolutely. itself yeah all you need is curiosity really absolutely and yeah i think just kind of going back to thinking about obviously the event we did two years ago and now yeah. this one i think there's this very intimate connection between lgbt identities and poetry i think a lot of lgbt people have historically expressed themselves in poetry mm-hmm. and continue doing so thankfully <laughs> yes, yes um yeah it's just a really nice nice thing to be able to do every year hopefully it um, is yes long may it continue there's such a kind of beautiful symbiosis i think between sort of queer creatives and, and poetry it's like that kind of tell the truth but tell it slant and mm-hmm. i think for for people who have been historically silenced mm-hmm. the the innovation of poetry and the actual claiming of space, whether that's space in the page, whether that's space in a collection, or actually just the act of, of putting something down on paper or speaking it aloud. You know, there's we can't really underestimate the the impact of that, both um, historically and today, and yeah. hopefully in the future as well. Yeah, because, yeah, that's kind of how we approached when we started yeah. workshopping this workshop. We we initially thought it might be more of a discussion about space and yes, about yeah. and while that didn't necessarily because our discussion just went in a completely different direction which is kind mm-hmm. of the beauty of nothing but the poem totally. but maybe you know if our listeners would like to have a think about these poems one thing they might think about is that notion of space and taking up yeah. space and how that communicates to queer identities and queer pasts and queer futures and just how it's expressed so differently in these three poems. Yeah. I think the physical space, the emotional space, which I think is fantastic. Totally. Yes, and speaking of physical place, they can come and read these poems right here, <laughs> can't they? Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. Um, all the poems, like I said, two, two of the poems are available on our website. One of them will be available in Jackie Kay's collection, which you can mm-hmm. borrow from the SPL. And if you'd like to be involved with Nothing But The Poem, um, this was a special LGBT History Month Um, special edition of Nothing But The Poem, which was open to everybody. It is usually a monthly meeting only open to our friends. And if you'd like to join our friends membership scheme, you will find more information about that on our website. That's our discussion for today, I think. I think it is, yes. Kirsten, is there anything you'd like to say about Syllips before we close off? Yes, please. Uh, If you are, I mean, this will have given you a wonderful taste, quite literally, with strawberries of the vital work that that libraries across Scotland do, just like Scottish Poetry Library in every corner of the country. They are such an essential resource for literacy, for creativity, for well-being, for everything. So please do support your local library. Pop down to SPL, make use of the, the absolute richness of resources on their website. And yes, we we need to, it's, it's a tough landscape for many libraries right now. So we just really appreciate this chance to to amplify all that they do and champion them as they should do. So support your local libraries yes, and they yes. will. you can see the support that they will give you in return. Exactly. Yes, thank you for all the important work you do and thank you for hosting this webinar with me. And It's been a delight. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait to come back. Yes. <laughs>